0: We hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hello, podcast listeners.
1: My name is Alan Collins. I'm the partner and head of the abuse team at Hugh James, and I'm joined by my colleague, Danielle Vincent. Hi, Danny. Hi, Alan. And in this podcast, we are going to be discussing Uber. Just think, you know, 10 years ago, maybe, Uber sort of didn't exist or they existed, I, you know, most of us w- would have been unaware of its existence. And now Uber is part and parcel of our lives in so many ways, so to speak. So, Danny, you suggested that we spoke about Uber because, unfortunately, there have been cases where people have been assaulted and abused, and you wanted to talk about the legal issues that flow from people being uh, abused or assaulted when having a Uber lift so to speak?
2: Yeah so one of the reasons I wanted to have a chat about this is we've talked before about safety in black cabs and I know having lived in London that you know on a night out got many many Ubers I've always actually felt safer because you know the number plate, and you've got an app that's tracking you and you know the name of your driver so perhaps wrongly I've always thought about safer getting an Uber than a black cab and I would have always chosen that option so when we were doing some research on it we found out that that actually that's that's not really the the case and there's been a number of issues with safety with Uber in you know London and a lot of our listeners would have been aware of TFL's issues in 2017 and whether the licenses were going to be renewed and one of the things with that was because of safety there was somebody that was Driving in 2015, and he was actually using his, his his brother's Uber login, and then he committed sexual assaults of two women in Leeds. So Uber actually ha- has had a number of issues with with their drivers, and I'm not sure that many people will have been aware of it because a lot of the cases have been settled behind closed doors, effectively. So it hasn't reached the public domain.
0: But of course,
1: Uber will say, "Well, we've been doing a lot to." try and ensure that the service that we provide isn't misused by drivers or whoever. So they've been taking various steps to ensure that there are um, improvements in, in safety and so on, where it's background checks and screenings of drivers and so on. But like you're saying, there have been a concerning number of assaults. And of course, we must point out that it's not just confined to Uber, there's, you know, other providers have had similar problems too. So it's just that Uber, unfairly, they may say, or justly as others may say, have been in the spotlight on on this because it does raise interesting questions, liability questions, legal questions as to, well, if something happens in the back of a cab, there's a a sexual assault who is actually responsible, obviously the perpetrator,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: it might be the driver. Of the vehicle. We've had cases where drivers had sexually assaulted their passengers and they've been prosecuted and successful civil claims have been brought. But does that liability go further? You know, is the organization that's providing the service and the driver legally responsible? And there have been a series of cases in recent years where the doctrine of vicarious liability, in other words, when an employer may be responsible for the sins and misdeeds of an employee, has expanded considerably, and it's expanded considerably, mainly on the back of victims, survivors of sexual abuse, bringing cases. You know, you don't necessarily now have to have a situation where you've got that traditional employer-employee relationship, you know, contract of employment, working nine till five and the boss pays the wages and all that kind of thing. That traditional concept of employment has naturally evolved over the years and the courts have recognised that so you can have situations where it's not that traditional model Mm -hmm. of um, employer and employee. It's all about, well, who's actually calling the shots here? What's the level of control?
2: This has always been a question, hasn't it, with things like taxi drivers with, with companies? but the Supreme Court did hold that Uber drivers were to be treated as employees for things like holiday pay and minimum wage. So if there's that level of control, my argument would be that they would be vicariously liable. But And it would be fair to say that Uber have settled a, a hell of a lot of these cases. I'm not aware of any cases where it's been an Uber driver where it hasn't been settled that's reached the press I understand that they've they've spent a lot of money on settling some of these cases all around the world because that's what we have to mention is is Uber is all around the world and as we discussed earlier a lot of people get in an Uber because they feel safe knowing the name very different to getting into an unknown cab company with a random name on the side you get into an Uber because you, you believe you're safe
1: yeah that's right and yeah, so, um, we're to a certain extent we're we're trusting. We recognize the name. I can remember silly little story. I think it was, this was my first trip by myself abroad. I, I went to Canada, got out of the, um, yeah, it's Vancouver, got out of the airport, went to the taxi rank, got into the taxi, gave the taxi driver the address and, uh, to an address in Vancouver, but he wanted to take me to Vancouver Island, which is. <laughs> completely different um, location and unfortunately um, I had enough nouse about me and, and you know for a well, while I don't know I don't think we're actually driving into Vancouver I think we're going somewhere else and he was very insistent on taking me to Vancouver Island and um, saying no 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 I've got to go to this particular address this is pre- sat nav obviously and all the rest of it so he got his atlas out and um the canadian equivalent of you know the aa roadmap or whatever and he was trying to read the thing um with it upside down so you know so anyway i got to my address eventually but it was a lesson it was a, a a lesson that i learned you have to be you know think about these things but anyway that's by the by so no but no it's the point that you um you make danny is, is a good one and but this where Uber drivers for purpose of employment are considered employees, of course, it may not necessarily extend, or it ought to arguably, to the issue of if a Uber driver, or you it know, doesn't have to be a Uber driver, it could be another, a driver in another organisation, sexually assaults somebody, there's still going to be that argument. Is the employer, mm-hmm. for those terms, actually going to be liable for what happened. And a lot is going to depend, I suppose, to a certain degree on the on the facts and the nature of that relationship between that driver and that organisation. But that case that you mentioned is indicative, is a good way of demonstrating, we would argue, the direction of travel. And, you know, this whole doctrine of vicarious liability has evolved enormously over recent years as a direct result of these sorts of cases where the courts have said, no, this this organisation, this defendant is responsible for what happened in the back of the cab or wherever it happens to be.
2: And I will point out, you know, we are saying about the number of assaults and things that have happened when doing the research that the safety team at Uber has tripled since 2017 and they say there are 300 professionals now working on different means and different technology to, to make us feel safer so you know you're reading that and you're thinking okay great this is moving in the right direction but the sun they they obtained some freedom of information stats and they confirmed I think it was last year that there were 32 rapes and sexual attacks in London in the space of 12-month period which I know compared to the number of trips that are perhaps taken that 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 seems I don't know what that would be on percentage, but that still seems to have to
1: incredibly well, high. Yeah, I suspect it's a very small percentage of the overall number of journeys, but it's still thirty two cases too exactly. many. There shouldn't be any. So yeah, it's still exactly. thirty two cases too many. And for thirty two victim survivors, the statistics are meaningless, aren't they? They don't mean anything to them. Their life has potentially been turned upside down, ruined and you know, it doesn't bear thinking about. So, you know, it's an extremely serious issue
2: we're looking at now effectively four years after the safety team it has expanded. There's still constant, constant concerns. And we are, you know, this this podcast is focused mainly on Uber taxi services or, you, you know, Lyft services, whereas actually Uber has now expanded to, to boat services, it's specifically on the Thames in London and Uber Eats. And again, I'm sure that I'm not the only person that when I order off an app like that, I expect the delivery man that I'm expecting to come to my house, who's going to know my name and my address and my phone number, is, you know, somebody that's been vetted and somebody is, is safe. Now, there's no statistics in respect of Uber food deliveries as yet, but that has only been going on, I'm not sure, very long. So I think we'll probably see statistics in respect of any issues coming in the next couple of years. But still something to consider if Uber drivers are, you know, there's, there's been concerns in respect of safety and monitoring who's actually using or who's logging in. Is the, the correct person whether that could be the same with Uber delivery drivers?
1: Yes and then, you know, all sorts of questions, you know, are then raised about insurance. Is there insurance cover for what's happened? Because mm-hmm. quite often we find with the taxi cases that the insurance policy does not extend to cover potentially what might have happened in the back of the cab. Because the insurance policy is concerned with accidents, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing, not sexual assaults in the back of cabs. So there's some, you know, pretty fundamental issues there, you know, because it occurs to me, I think that insurance for taxi cabs should cover absolutely everything, not just dented metal. You know, the insurance yeah. should cover sexual assaults committed in the car anyway that's my thought on, on all of this yeah I think that this is an area that deserves a lot more attention
2: yeah I agree and as I say it's been hitting the headlines all over the world in my research there was a lot of things coming up in America and in Australia in respect of the failing times here in the UK so it's not going to be something I don't think that going to go away anytime
1: soon sadly well on that sobering note thank you very much danny for this podcast as always podcast listeners if you have any thoughts comments or suggestions then please don't hesitate to get in touch with us thanks
0: for listening thank you for listening to this episode of hj talks about abuse you can subscribe to our podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast player if you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse@hjtalks.co.uk. at hjtalks.co.uk